From Welcome Villain Films, the studio that brought you the horror hit Malum, as well as Beaten to Death and Hunter Killer, comes their newest nightmare, Mind, Body, Spirit, now available on digital. Directed by Alex Haynes and Matthew Miranda, and produced by Dan Asma, Mind, Body, Spirit follows Anya, an aspiring yoga influencer, as she embarks on a ritual practice left behind by her estranged grandmother. What starts as a spiritual self-help guide quickly evolves into something much more sinister. As Anya becomes increasingly obsessed with the mysterious power of the practice, she unwittingly unleashes an otherworldly entity that begins to take control of her life and her videos. Now, Anya must race to unlock the truth before her descent into madness threatens to consume her mind, body, and spirit. During its festival tour, which stops at Chattanooga Film Festival and the Unnamed Footage Festival, Mind, Body, Spirit garnered praise from critics who call it a found footage version of Hereditary and a knockout found footage horror movie for the live stream era. Experience the first ever yoga-themed found footage horror film and don't miss the film viewers have called extremely frightening and upsetting. Available now on digital anywhere you rent or buy movies online, including Prime Video and Apple Plus. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's the show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com And welcome back to Scarred for Life, the podcast where we open up old wounds by looking back at the films that scared us as kids. I'm Terry. And I'm Mary Beth. In each episode, our special guest brings with them a movie that traumatized them as a child. This week, our guest is writer, producer, and director Roxanne Benjamin. You've seen her work directing episodes of Pretty Little Liars, Original Sin, Creep Show, Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, as well as contributing to the anthologies XX and Southbound, and her feature film Body at Brighton Rock. Her latest film, There's Something Wrong with the Children, is coming to digital and on demand on January 17th. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Hello. Hello. Thanks for joining us. Uh, we're so excited to chat with you about your bonkers movie choice. But uh, before we do, I know we have limited amount of times, but so before we do get to that, uh, can you tell our listeners a little bit about uh, There's Something Wrong with the Children? Sure. Um, it is a dark comedy, supernatural horror thriller. Uh Easier referred to as an evil kid movie, which is what drew me to it. It's about uh, two couples. One has kids, one doesn't. They go off to the woods for a nice weekend. 
Um, the childless couple ends up watching the kids for the night, and when they disappear and come back, start to suspect that they are not exactly who they seem. And horror movie ensues. Horror movie ensues. Uh, I love that. I have to say how amazing it was to see um, Amanda uh, Cruz, Amanda Crew, yeah. in this because um, I remember her from like Sex Drive and um, she's the man. Like that. That was my entry point for for her career. And I was like, ah, I know her. I love her. Oh my god, she's I so know great. Her. She's so good at like just dry comedy. Uh, she really is. And I also really wanted Zach's sweater, by the way, Ben's sweater in that movie. It was nice. so nice. It yeah. looked so comfy. I think everyone was very comfortable in this film. <laughs> it looked like it. So I wanted to hear um, a little bit more about how you got kind of involved in this project and what perhaps drew you to the script for this movie. Sure. Um, evil Kid movie. So that was a big draw for me. Always wanted to do one. I get sent a lot of scripts that are kind of about like pregnancy horror or like kind of um, feel like Rosemary's Baby adjacent uh, uh, mm-hmm. or deal with kind of like that period of life. And for those of us who are not mothers who, or who don't wish to be mothers, it can get very frustrating when that's kind of the – it's like, ah, oh, you're woman director person. Here, this is for you. You know, and it's like, Jesus Christ, are we still doing this? Okay. Um, <laughs> something that like kind of dealt with characters who were grappling with that very thing and the idea of like, you know, getting to a certain age where a lot of your friends are having kids and you're just like not on the bandwagon and everyone seems to be trying to get you to join it. Like it's a cult. Um, was a, it, I thought there was some really fun stuff to try to pull out of this script and, and, and really put front and center within the characters for that and their relationships. And then uh, how I got involved was just came through Blumhouse. I had been talking to them about another project and, um, you know, they had, they had t- taken a read of one of my scripts that also takes place kind of in the woods, but it involves like the ocean and a bunch of other stuff. And these were all shooting down in New Orleans because it's part of their package deal with uh, MGM+. Plus. So um, they were like, well, we have this one that might be along the same vein that, that seems like it would be up your alley. And yeah, when they sent it and I saw that and that it was Evil Kids, I was like, done and done. <laughs> well, the other thing that I kind of enjoyed about it was the there's a subversion here of in in a lot of these movies it's typically the the woman character that is grappling with either mental health and no one believes her and that kind of stuff and here we have the reversal where it's it's Ben it's Zach's character that is the one that's not being believed and I was like oh that's kind of interesting because that you don't typically see that yeah it was it was a kind of interesting push and pull with. Not wanting it to make it him an unreliable narrator because of that stigma, but also acknowledging that stigma and the fact that it's been used so often as a portrayal mm-hmm. of an unreliable narrator for a female character. Exactly like you said, switch, switching that trope, just kind of like a how do you like it vibe. <laughs> and then at the same time, still ultimately kind of wanting to uh, front and center and showcase Alicia Wainwright and her character and not just make it uh, yeah. all about this male character being being gaslit. So there's a bit of a handoff of our POV character halfway through. And so that, mm-hmm. as a director, was really interesting to try to navigate so that you get enough of her POV kind of sprinkled at the beginning that it doesn't feel just kind of like a 
hard left when we're into her perspective instead of his is like our our kind of character that leads us through with our audience and uh yeah so that was that was a really interesting kind of challenge in terms of like blocking and shooting for me so it was a bit of a director catnip situation <laughs> i'm always curious like when a director comes in on a project with a script that you know they've been sent what is it like for you in reading that script and like what is your collaboration then like with the writers like did you kind of add or kind of suggest massaging other parts of this movie out like were there pers- parts of the film that you kind of helped bring up bring to the surface that weren't originally in the script yeah it's interesting because this is definitely like a a weird hybrid process that i had not been a part of before since it's this kind of hybrid between tv and movies since it's with the blumhouse television division not with like a features division and that it was part of this kind of package of films that was meant for you know epics tv which became mgm plus so I when I got the script, I had sent them back a bunch of notes I had about kind of like mythology and character and, and a couple of other, other things. And, um, you know, they had said, well, why don't you kind of tackle like the female characters and like the all the character stuff and like we'll give these other notes. But then once it was on the ground, it was kind of just me. The, the writers weren't involved at that point, which is not something I'm really used to. Uh, and I probably did seven drafts, I think, of the script between dealing with location oh, wow. changes and changing mythology and then really driving home. Originally, it was a relationship between Zach and Alicia's character where she really wanted kids. And she's kind of like mm. hustling him by this weekend with her friend's kids to like convince him to have kids. And I was like, nah, I don't want to do that. You know, I want to see that perspective of someone who doesn't want that and that it's right. not yeah. the the dude who's like being talked into it by his wife. Not that, that is like a necessarily led to a bad dynamic within the script as it was, but it just like for me, it wasn't as interesting as the idea as you have, you know, this character who would typically be, you know, expected to be the maternal one who wants that and mm-hmm. wants to like join the gang with like her her best friend. And instead is like very hesitant and then finding out like that it's for multiple reasons, you know, it's, it's not just one thing, but it's multiple things. It's something that I haven't really seen as much in horror movies, especially lately. You know, I mean, most, I feel like our genre is very youth driven. So to see something that does focus more on like motherhood that is more concerned with the characters of the adults and not in the welfare of the children and it being about like the kids being possessed and how do we help them and, and that kind of thing became of more interest to me. So those were the big changes I think I made to the script. And then that as well as like originally it was called the ravine and had a bit of a different mythology. And that all had to kind of be renegotiated once we got down there because there's no ravines in the Louisiana river Delta. Um, and there's like no mountain peaks. So you kind of have to adjust the script once you're there to like, Oh, this is where it has to be shot. So what, what do we have here that could work? Um, and so it was trying a bunch of different things and finally landing on this, you know, when you walk out in the woods, you find these like old ruins all the time down there. So also where I'm from in, in rural Pennsylvania, if you go hiking in the woods, any direction for a couple of miles, you're going to run into some sort of cobbled ruin somewhere that you're like, this is obviously like witch grounds. Like what's happening here? What's <laughs> <laughs> happening. Yeah. I love the East coast is so fucking weird is with the, with the weird ruins we have. I live in Maryland and like, why are there ruins everywhere? But anyway, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A weird one for me was like going with my dad and we were like hiking through the woods like two or three years ago. And, um, came upon this like series of like uh abandoned like structures that our grandfather's name was written in the bricks because he was a oh bricklayer back in like the 
in like a couple generations back, like my great grandfather, wow. and he had signed these bricks and when he was building stuff. So he'd built a lot of these houses out in the woods that we just like wandered into. So that was super bizarre. Super That's bizarre. That's surreal. Yeah. That is oh my so gosh. cool and weird. You're like, why is his name yeah. here? But that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> Coming from a long line of bricklayers, my family. <laughs> <laughs> really true. It's legitimate. <laughs> Before we do transition into talking about your movie choice, I also I, I love music and cinema is one of my favorite things. And I feel like a lot of movies don't do cinema or music very well recently. I think horror genre is like leading the way in it. And I was really happy to, to hear the score in this by The Gifted. I was really digging the sound that was being created for that. Yeah, I work with them on everything. I, I, I uh -huh. kind of they're one of my like ride or dies that I'm like, I have to have them, you know, because we just have this working creative relationship that I think works so well and, and have since like the very first movie I've done which was southbound and, and worked with them through um they knew the guys from radio silence and had worked with them so mm -hmm. radio silence kind of brought them onto southbound and you know just fell in love with their style and and we have really similar tastes and work really well together and for this one from the get-go you know i give them the script early and we start kind of talking about different different uh themes for different characters and i really wanted to bring in this kind of like industrial 90s mm -hmm. like yeah. dark goth wave feel to to the film because i thought it would be a cool juxtaposition rather than just going with like oh we're in the woods so we want to use like nature noises and build that into the yep. score it was like this hard juxtaposition of that to go with like what our characters were kind of it's like the you know you're hard hitting a wall in this in this place that's supposed to not be this way so uh that was really important i th i think we kind of went a little you know nuts on on some of the stuff too which is like i'm so over the top with score and so are they we're so like into it just being like the subtext of any scene we're gonna blast it through the music and everything <laughs> like my favorite fucking thing in the world and i'm gonna do that in every yeah. movie until they make me stop <laughs> yeah my what about big notes yeah. oh sorry i was gonna say and then the the song opening it the sisters of mercy song i never thought we would get uh which i feel like really kind of sets the tone getting into it and then the the band photocrime closes it out on the end and they're they're also a band i really like and they let us use some of our shirts too you see uh, amanda wearing their shirt kind of when they're off hiking oh yeah i was at the music so oh cool. it was like i was obsessed with the music of this like kind of punk garage punk feel to it and i also i mm -hmm. tied to me being like amanda was wearing like the shirt and i was like i love cool like we've got cool parents here this is not like suburban like typical parents we're finally getting some like cool parent representation in horror and i was very <laughs> excited um but let's let's talk about the movie you brought with you today roxanne what's your scarred for life pick what movie are we talking about with you today my scarred for life pick is howard the duck Howard, Howard the damn the duck. duck. So let's Howard read a quick duck. <laughs> let's read a very quick synopsis from Howard the Duck. Um, in the film, a sarcastic humanoid duck is pulled from his homeworld to Earth, where he must stop an alien invasion with the help of a nerdy scientist and a struggling female rock singer. <laughs> IMDb synopsis is missing one word though: horny. Because <laughs> this movie and the duck are both incredibly horny. It's terrifying. It's so weird. It's, it's so weird. <laughs> and before we get to your story, I just want to I just want to shout from the rooftop, this is a PG movie, not PG-13, which existed at the time. It is a P fucking G fucking movie. But anyway, <laughs> take us back. 
Take us back to the start. When did you see this movie? How did you see it? Why did you see it? Why is this your Scarred for Life pick? Give us your, I'm sure, wild horror story for this I one. feel like this movie played all the time on cable when I was a kid. Like, all the time. I remember doing, like, USA Up all night, sitting up with, like, my brother, like, late nights and watching that with, like, Gilbert Gottfried. And it introduced me to so many, like, bizarro movies. And I feel like yeah. Howard the Duck might have been one of them. That or it was, like, TNT or TBS, one of the others. But, like, it's you know how it used to be they would play this stuff on rotation. Like, you would see it, like, 50 times over the course of, like, three years. So it was just always on in bits and pieces. And, I mean, it's... It's so bizarre. I think I probably saw it like I might have been like eight years old or seven years old, something like that. And again, you say it's a PG, yeah. PG movie. There's like boobs in this movie, like duck boobs, there but still boobs. duck titties. What? It's weird, a- like Playboy with ducks in it. Like there's everything that could have like a duck on it has a duck on it. That's like, oh, it's a human world, but there's also duck stuff. I, it, it's so fucking bizarre. It's such a bizarro movie. And like this weird, I don't know. It's, it's, it doesn't make any sense. Like the scenes don't make sense from, from like scene to scene. You're just like, how do we, what is even happening? But like as a kid, when you're watching this stuff, like I feel like you just accept movies is like, oh yeah. So now he's going to get like a job at the, sexy hot tub place that's what you would do if you were a duck on a human world and got pulled there like it does okay but it you know this is also like i remember watching like space balls as a kid and i thought it was a star wars movie like you don't know any better you're a kid like i just loved Mm -hmm. fucking space balls it was like my favorite star wars movie until like i was older and people are like that's not a star wars movie (laughs) yeah yeah Oh man, I love I love I love hearing that because I was the same way too. Where it's like you, I, I would see Spaceballs. My parents wouldn't let me rent Spaceballs for some reason. Because, well, I know why. So it had balls on it on the title, <laughs> the and so I thought it was going to be like this sexy thing, I guess. And so they never let me rent it. I had to watch it at a friend's house. Uh, and this is way off of Howard the Duck, but I just got to say it. I I also thought you know that this had something to do with Star Wars because of. You know, being a kid and that's all you get is, is you know, just the visual representation of it. Yeah. Yeah. I thought Pizza the oh. Hut was part of the Star Wars universe. Me too. I mean, I wish. Yeah. But so, okay, Roxanne, why, like, what, is there a specific moment or, like, a scene or something from this movie that, like, scarred you that kind of made it this, your scarred for life pick? Yes. So, you know, it's like the first half of the movie is just, like, weird, like, 80s punk new wave with, like, a horny duck involved you know it's got and, like and, who framed roger rabbit vibes at yeah, first yeah it does have yeah. a very who framed roger rabbit vibe and like people are either immediately horrified when they see him or like <laughs> they're like a social worker who's like you gotta get a job and it's like <laughs> what okay uh it, it, it makes no sense like when scenes happen or anything that's happening but about like Maybe I what is it like an almost two hour movie and it's about an it's hour. It's almost in. two hours long. About an hour in, it flips and that's when it's kind of like oh, a horror movie starts happening when something else like gets pulled to their uh, to their planet. And also, we should mention Tim Robbins at some point because what the fuck? But uh, they go to this <laughs> diner and the the one scientist is now possessed and he's possessed by something else and it's like. You know, it's funny because it has it's it's almost exactly what happens in Men in Black, 
where the where uh, Vincent D'Onofrio gets inhabited by the bug thing and it's just wearing him as a human yep. suit. It's like the exact same thing, which also kind of scared me, but I was like a teenager and it was like, haha, funny, scary. Whereas like this, I was like, oh no, I am terrified. People can, can be, this was my invasion of the body snatchers as a child. You know, and in that scene, oh, wow. it's like this, it's like a 20 minute scene in this diner where it just yes. all this crazy shit happens and it's got all these crazy visual effects and every practical effect in the book. And then it's like everyone in the restaurant decides that they're going to like eat Howard and put him in a stew yes. and like they're trying to attack him. And then there's just, there's just crazy shit happening. And then from there, you have all these amazing <laughs> effects that Phil Tippett did. Yes. And, like start coming into play and like the final monster in this movie is fucking insane. It's yes, it's it really, is. really incredible, amazing work. And that's the part that scarred me to life was everything. I mean, besides like weird horny duck and who knows what traumatic shit I have from like just the weird relationship <laughs> that him and Leah Thompson have and like <laughs> everything involved until then. Like, from that turning point to the end of the movie is, like, terrifying. Just terrifying. Anyway. I was talking to Terry about that, about how it does feel like one half of this feels like a weird noir, how, like, Who Framed Roger Rabbit movie, and then it turns into, like, a horror Marvel... Well, because this is a Marvel movie. Like, Howard the Duck, I did not know this, was a Marvel character. So this is his, the hysterical MCU entry that we should all be talking <laughs> about more. Um but then it feels like a, like an actual kind of like kids e gateway horror -y action movie at the end. You got like the the monster that looks like it's up right at, right out of Willow, and you have all of these like crazy set pieces and the duck and Tim Robbins flying a hang glider and like a scary monster. And it really is. I had never seen this before. I actually avoided this movie as a child because I thought Howard the Duck was the scariest shit I'd ever seen, and I thought he was the bad guy. <laughs> I legitimately, first, oh, I don't wow. know why I thought this. I could not tell you, but I remembered hours ago that I thought Howard the Duck was evil and I didn't want to see a movie about a scary evil duck that was also uh -huh. a person as a child. Like, I don't really understand where that came from. But I just remember being scared of him and thinking he was a bad guy. So I avoided this, like, the plague. And you brought it and I was like, I can finally confront Howard the Duck. And he's just a horny, he's a horny weirdo. He's a horny weirdo <laughs> who is also like kind of a gumshoe or something. Like he's, you know, he's wearing the like, where is he getting all these duck clothes? Like they're also wrote, he's, a, he's a drip god. I did write like his outfits are hysterical because he said he, he was he said he was um, stealing from the toddler section of Goodwill. Oh yeah, at, <laughs> at one point. So obviously he's wearing toddler clothes, but also what toddler dresses like that? But that's <laughs> yeah. And then you've got like Leah Thompson in like a new wave like Streets of Fire getup. Like it's just so. It's like such a weird mishmash of tones across everything. And then Tim it's... Robbins is in like the burbs. And it's like you've got all yes! of these different smushed together like vibes of movie. And it's just like, what is happening here? Anyway, I love this movie and I will defend it to the death. <laughs> Phil, uh, Phil Z, played by Tim Robbins. Phil is camp his performance is pure camp oh, it's so camp and i was Neither. the moment he comes on the screen i was like you are in a completely different movie every single person in this movie is acting as if they are in a completely different movie leah thompson is taking it dead fucking serious uh <laughs> the the duck the, the the physical duck just seems like he's really bored to be there the voice is a lot of fun you have tim robbins just being a, a camp mad scientist with his hair like up in the sky just 
giving me like eraser head vibes with this hair. Like there's just so much going on in this movie that it's it's a uh, boy, it's a treat. Yeah. Tim Robbins is a cutie too though. We young Tim Robbins. I was like, "Wait, look at you a little nerdy heartthrob." Also might say more about my taste in men, but I thought he was <laughs> a cute little But I also did like that he is not in love with Leia. Tom's mm-hmm. character. It's like yeah. he's in he's dating a band member, but like there wasn't a forced ro- well, the romance between the duck and Leia was kind of bizarre, and I have a lot of very uncomfortable thoughts about them in bed together with her in her underwear and trying to seduce him. Ducks don't have lips. I worked for a nature cha- a nature documentary channel for far too long and know way too much about ducks' actual penises, and all I could think about was the horrendous corkscrew duck penis that ducks actually have. <laughs> and I was just sitting there in horror. I was like, this is not... But all I could think about was the horrendous physics of how ducks actually mate. And oh my God. I'm upset. <laughs> so she, she said in an interview how it's like she had a really weird couple of years because, you know, she had just come off of the hit of, like, Back to the Future, where she's, like, in love with her son... And then right. the next movie she's in, she's like in love with a duck. And she's like, it was a very confusing time in my life and my career, I can tell you. It's like, that's fucking great. Uh, so my memory of seeing this movie was was being a, a kid, a young kid, probably around your age, at the t- same age, Roxanne, is, is seeing this movie. And I remember thinking that I was watching this and getting away with seeing something that we, I probably shouldn't have. Because while there is like you know, animated ducks, and there is a lot of comedy, and there's a lot of silliness with the duck puns. Like, his room in the very beginning is just, like, full of, like, uh, My Little Chickadee playing with May Nest and W.C. Fowles and Breeders yeah. of the Lost Stock, which I'm like, okay, that's a, that's a choice title. <laughs> but, like, there's yeah. all of this, and then all of a sudden, we are getting a, a couple different um, duck boobs, and I'm like, what is happening here? And then he, at one point, he's working at a sex sauna. And I was like, this is sleazy. And I'm really confused about this. Why? Because my parents let me watch it. And I would watch this movie a whole lot because it was fun. But I just remember getting, thinking that I was getting away with seeing this movie because my parents were sometimes a little bit strict on what I could watch. And yet somehow, this little PG duck movie with duck boobs and sex saunas, A-OK. I, I think my parents thought it was like a Muppets movie. I yeah, think that, I think you know, they see too. this, like, duck thing that's running around with these people, and I think they think it's, like, a kid's movie. And it is weird if you think about it, because it's, like, a very surrealist, like, Dada-ist movie that, like, just everything is just, like, thrown together in this bizarro universe where, like, when you're a kid, you're like, of course all of these things make sense. Of course he's working at the sex sauna because he had to go to the unemployment office because he didn't have a job. Why wouldn't he? You know, like... <laughs> All of this like makes makes sense when you're like six and seven years old. So you're like, yeah, but yeah, it is very insane content for like children to be watching a PG PG this movie. PG movie. Uh, I had to look it up again because I was like, this did come out come out after the PG thirteen was established because right, and I it, it is it did because I was like, there's no way that this movie should have been PG. No, no, not in a million, not in a million zillion years. But also, like, something that they talk about in this movie a little bit is, like, Howard the Duck is obviously an adult duck, but he looks like a child because he is short. He is three foot two. Thank you to Howard for correcting everybody. But I kept getting this vibe of, like, it's a child character, right? And he's obviously not. And the perverted things come out of his mouth. Or she finds the unwrapped condom in his wallet. (laughs) Why is it unwrapped? 
What the Why is going on in this planet? That is not. Also, again, ducks have corkscrew dicks. How does it work? <laughs> but it again, and I think this probably also contributes. Like parents were like, "Oh yeah, it's a duck." Like some Daffy Duck kids, ducks. He's a small duck. He's childlike, right? And I really think they did. I guess they played that up well to the point where, like, "Oh yeah, for kids," and it's a goddamn man. It's just a man. Ugh. A horny man that is obsessed with people's butts. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, also that, which I guess is like an homage to like the comic. That was like a big thing in the comic. And I think that oh, also comes from it? like a lot of this comes oh. from the source material that he was just this kind of horny, weird character. And it doesn't seem as weird when it's a comic, but then when you make it like a live action movie, it makes everything a lot more bizarre. So I would, I know that <laughs> I, I vaguely remember there being like a Howard the Duck reference in some stinger and a Guardians of the Galaxy movie. Yeah. Like I think he's in a tube at some point. I know people talk about it, but, like, would you want a Marvel MCU officially sanctioned Howard the Duck movie? I think my answer is yes. I just wonder, what would they do with it? Like, what could they do with it that could be better than the Gonzo movie that exists is my question. I would absolutely love to see Marvel try to make a self-serious Howard the Duck movie. It would be not good, but I would absolutely love to see them try to make something that's, like, very serious with this duck. This anthropomorphic, grumpy-ass duck. That would be incredible. He joins the Avengers. I mean, I would get back into Marvel if there was a Howard the Duck in the Avengers. It would have to be like a Detective Pikachu situation. Oh, yeah. Like Pokemon uh Detective Pikachu, where you're just like, what is this world you're creating here? This is just... I would go with that. I would, too. I was just thinking that if if this was a a DC thing and James Gunn could direct it, I think we'd get a fun, very bizarre take on it. You'd have to have the right director to either A, play it very, very serious and be funny, or also homage this this original bonkers movie and i i don't know sometimes i feel like the marvel slate is not going to be able to embrace this marvel movie in that way wait okay yeah. I, I very cursory research seth green did voice mm-hmm. has voiced howard the duck since 2014 in a couple of the animated series so seth green is howard the duck in his own movie <laughs> Again, I don't know how the fuck they would do it, but apparently, yeah. according to the Wikipedia page about him, he is also known as the Iron Duck and has superhuman strength and uh, flamethrowers. Oh, <laughs> because Howard the Duck is in fact a superhero, so would love that. That I just find so funny. Would it's love incredible. That. Yeah, I would absolutely love that. The original actor, God, who's the original actor? He also played Chucky, so he had many effects on my childhood. the uh the the physical actor yeah the physical actor who was in the it was played by both like a a small boy and then by this actor who was like an adult actor who um, yeah ed gale ed gale yes who also plays chucky or played chucky in the old chucky movies and uh i can't imagine just having worked with kids in my movie i cannot imagine putting like an eight-year-old in an animatronic suit like that that they can't get out of and they can't see and like it would just be – and they you have to work, like, with their hours every two hours. They have to have breaks and be able to get out and all this – like, it would yeah. be a nightmare. It would be a nightmare. The other weird, wild thing about about using this duck and, and filming this duck is that they originally – so they didn't have a voice for, for Howard the Duck until after they had finished filming. So all <laughs> the lines were being delivered 
um, off stage by someone reading them. And so it was making it very difficult for the actors to act off because they were literally just reading the line. And then the mouth was moving. And so then they had to add in the voice afterwards. And they originally hired Robin Williams to be the voice of Howard the Duck. What? He worked for a week, said he could not do this because it was really reining in his style because he was having to match what he wanted to say to the duck's mouth because it was already filmed. Oh, and so he said yeah. that's to this and quit within a week. And so then they hired um, Chip Zine. I, I don't know. Zine, maybe. I'm not sure how to pronounce his last name to come in and do do the voice of, of Howard. But yeah, they filmed this without having the voice done at all. Oh, God. That's weird and wild. I can't imagine acting to that. You're just getting thrown lines probably well, like... Yeah. So that adds a lot of context as to why maybe everyone was acting differently because they did not know how to... Because that duck is everywhere. So it's not mm-hmm. like, okay, there's a couple... We have to like act around him for a couple scenes. It's like, no, you just got to pray that you know what you're doing with this duck. Even it's like worse than when you have to interact with like a, C- a CGI tennis ball. It's like worse than that. Good Lord. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of funny because it's like... it's a This movie is like a marvel of like practical effects like yeah. it really yes. is between and george, like, Lu- george lucas is a producer too which again like you said like you said roxanne the phil tippett connection like this is a yeah. george lucas produced movie yeah it's an industrial light and magic does a lot of the effects for the movie and it's like yes. all these crazy stunts with for whatever reason that like 15 minute prop plane chase <laughs> through like the american graffiti neighborhood like what is happening I, I, I forgot that there was a super long like car chase slash uh plane chase airplane. yeah i was like what is what is happening here where, and I, I crashed it, all over <laughs> explosions it's it, there's a lot of physical stunts in here at one point my favorite is when when phil gets like stuck under the water and he's like you know getting dragged through the water and howard just says um what <laughs> philzy this is no time for water sports <laughs> <laughs> what is happening in this movie? It feels like a, it's like almost like a reel of like, look at all the cool shit we can do. And we're going to pretend it's actually a movie, but it's really just a reel of all of the cool shit we can accomplish with practical effects. And you know what? Good for them. Yeah. Yeah. I'm and it holds up. I do think the special effects really hold up. Even like I, the, the visual effects, the lasers and whatnot. I was like, that looks pretty good. I'd buy that. I'd buy that in, yeah. a, in an older movie, in a newer movie even. I, yeah. I Especially agree. in it the does, dining like, room, like that dining yeah. that diner yes. scene when all the all the chairs and everything goes flying against the wall, and like all the explosions of every kind. Like he's they've they've got him up in the air. Like there's just so much crazy shit happening in this movie that you can imagine as a kid. You really do think it's like, oh, it is a Marvel movie when you're a kid. You don't know any mm-hmm. better. Or at least I didn't. I thought it was a. I thought it was a like a serious movie. <laughs> I I love speaking of the diner scene where they they grab him they have him on the table and you know I think you mentioned Roxanne that they're planning on like you know cutting him up basically but they're sitting there and they're seasoning him they're peppering him they're putting celery in his mouth and he's shouting Jennings they're seasoning me <laughs> it's just like there's so many random like lines but, in this movie that are so but then she yells, funny that's my boyfriend that's and my he boyfriend says, that's against the laws of nature <laughs> like. This movie, like, the more I'm thinking about it, like, this movie shouldn't, it doesn't make any sense. It shouldn't work. No. But yet, it's really fun, because you're just, like, if you just give yourself to, like, the experience of being, like, well, I am just going to watch this and experience it, it's a good time. 
It took me a second to like get into the vibe with this movie because I didn't know what to expect. And I was like, all right, this is just fucking ridiculous. But I love that. Like, it's just fun. I don't even like what would you say are comps? If you were trying to explain this movie is like this to someone, what are the movies you would use as comps? Like, I can't think what I would say. I don't know. This is unlike any movie I think I've ever seen in my entire life. I really do. I mean, I keep saying the Who Framed Roger Rabbit, but that's only for part of it. And that doesn't really scratch the surface because it's like it's even raunchier and like grittier. Yeah, I don't like, think there's anything like I honestly don't know if there is a cop for this. Mix movie. it with some like Joe versus the volcano, some the uh, burbs, some meet the feebles, maybe like, yeah, even that doesn't Old really explain noir. it. But then it's like also enormous budget caper movie. I don't know. I don't know. I, <laughs> I, I like, also, wow, I can't think of a it, good It just comparison. breaks my mind thinking about it. But I do have to give a shout out to Jeffrey Jones playing um, Dr. Walter Jennings. Yes. Uh, his performance in this is so fantastic. Because, like, I, 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 I think of him as, like, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. I think of him as, like, that kind of that kind He's of character. He's the dad in Beetlejuice. That's how I always think of him. He's the dad yep. in Beetlejuice. And here he is really funny. And then... When he starts to get possessed, the voice he does, I remember running around using that voice and like, because I had such an active imagination when I was when I was growing up and I would often be playing by myself because I was living in Alaska, whole other story. And so I remember using that voice and pretending to to be that that monster because it is such a it, it well, it's camp, but it's also just such a fantastic little his voice. Oh, I just I just love his performance. Also, the way he like deteriorates over the back half of that movie is terrible. Mm-hmm. He's like transforming into this monster. At some point, he has spines and like his fingernails are falling. It's like the fly. It's like the yeah. precursor to the fly. Baby's like, first when you're fly. A child, you know. Well, and, and like when he's first possessed, like possessed, he's like, "There's something in me." Like it is uh-huh. terrible. Like it is. Uh, that's. Like, that always scares me when you're like, there's something inside of me. I can feel it. I don't feel like myself anymore. And, like, he's actively going through that transformation. And they're like, oh, he's fine. Like, that is horrifying. Mm-hmm. And, like, that, I feel like, marks a big shift in the movie. Like, oh, no, now we're going into full-on body horror territory, I think. Like, uh-oh. But then at the same time, like, within that same same sequence of, like, when he's in the diner, like, one of the things he says in that voice is, if you can't stand the heat, get out of the kitchen. Get out you of know? the kitchen. <laughs> There's still these, like, ridiculous, like, taglines in the middle of, like, the craziness that's happening or when, like, this is, like, horrific, scary stuff happening. Uh, when he, he stands up and starts shooting lightning and says, release the small water fowl. Like, the juxtaposition of that silly saying with, like, this horrific looking being that's standing up and is shooting lightning. Um, He, the moment when, like, the tongue or is, like, like something proboscis comes out of his mouth and jams into the, uh, the, the cigarette lighter to energize himself. It's like, what? This is this is gnarly. This is Men in Black is actually a good a good comparison because like some of that definitely feels like a precursor to what we would see in in that movie. But it really that moment does. in the in the truck, I was like, what? Yeah, it really does. And even like you know, in Men in Black, it's like when he he keeps wanting to get sugar. Yes. And in this one, he keeps wanting to get power, and he goes to the plow. Oh yeah, and they stop at a nuclear power plant and take a tour on the way. As as you do. <laughs> That's so weird. I don't know. Like, yeah. <laughs> well, 
Um, should we wrap this up and give us a rating out of five? This incredible marvel of uh, cinematic technology. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a plan. All right, Terry, how many terrible duck puns out of five do you give Howard the Duck? I was kind of dreading rewatching this movie because I had not seen it since I was a kid. And I had such fond memories of seeing it as a kid uh, because, like I said, it felt a little dangerous. It felt a little sleazy. It felt like something that I shouldn't be watching. But then at the same time, it felt like it was being made for my me as an audience. So I just I used to watch this movie a whole lot. And when I was rewatching it, I was like, this 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 can't live up to that 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 hype that I had as a kid. And boy, I'll tell you what, I had a blast with this movie. I had so much fun watching this movie. I was like, it took me a little bit to get into the same wavelength. Like you said, Mary Beth, I was like, this is really weird. I just kept taking a bunch of notes in like all caps. Like what the fuck is happening? He's working at a sex sauna, like just so much. But by the end of the movie, I was like, that was a whole lot of fun. And that was not two hours wasted. I was like two hours for a duck movie. But at the end of it, I was like, no, this is great. I'm enjoying it. I'm going to give it four terrible duck puns out of five. I've really enjoyed this on this wow. rewatch. Wildly enough. What about you, Mary Beth? <laughs> um, <laughs> well, I, I wouldn't venture to a four. Um, <laughs> I don't mean that in a bad way. This movie, again, I was like, all I know is that this is a weird ass <laughs> duck movie. But I watched it and I was incredibly impressed with, like, again, how fun it was and how weird it was and how much it kept surprising me. It's totally inconsistent and the acting is weird, but I was engaged the whole time. And it is, I think, like we've talked about, just an incredible use of effects. And it's just so different than anything I've ever watched. And I know we all watch a lot of movies and it is very impressive to watch something and be like, at no point did I know where this movie was going. And I have never seen anything like it. So the fact that this got made, period. Yeah. (laughs) Is just Um I I think I'll give this a three, terrible duck puns. Um, but I will be petitioning for the rest of my life for a Howard the Duck Marvel movie or at least just a limited series. Um, because I'm just I wanna see it so bad. I just wanna know. Um, but then Roxanne, you have the final word. How many terrible duck puns out of five do you give Howard the Duck? (laughs) Five out of five. Hell, Hell yeah. yeah. <laughs> five out of five. It's a technical, I think it's knowing how hard it, it is to do anything technical, special effects, practical effects wise, and to have managed to do it at all and to put this together at all. And despite its incoherence, it does have almost a, a consistency to its incoherence that I admire. Yes. And just the like, fuck it, we're just going for it attitude of the whole movie i i mean that's some pretty punk rock shit in my estimation and the fact that it's like (laughs) produced by like george lucas and this is what it is and they just really (laughs) went for it and and knowing the craftsmanship that went into all of it and phil tippett's involvement on top of that really just Mm. gave me that last star five out of five duck pens duck puns full check it out that man phil tibbets i'm sorry i just i gotta his that creature that he creates at the very end is is stunning it's stunning yes so good uh he i hmm, just amazing that that man is a amazing person um but yeah, thank you so much, Roxanne, for joining us and having us revisit and or seeing it for the first time against her better judgment. Uh, Howard the Duck, where can our listeners find you? And the floor is yours. What would you like to talk about or plug? Oh, gosh. Uh, I'm still on Twitter for the time being. 
that's probably basically it. I'm not very online. Uh, the movie will be out, you know, January 17th, and you can find it to rent or to buy. So, yeah, if uh, you like the movie, um, please tell people. Let them know. Yes. Word of mouth is Hell a very yeah. big deal for a movie of, you know, this size. So Awesome. And is it playing on Epics? Is that where it's going to be? No, it's everywhere. So you can, you oh, know, it's be everywhere? Apple, okay, cool. iTunes, Vudu, wherever you buy or rent your movies, like you, you can Sweet. get it there January 17th. Cool. Y'all, if you like creepy kid movies, please check it out. It's a good, it is a very, very good, terrifying children. Um, so listeners, you've heard from us. We want to hear from you. What was your experience with the one and only Howard the Duck? Send us an email at scarredforlifepodcast at gmail.com. Or reach out to us directly on Twitter. I am at MB McAndrews. And I'm at Gailey Dreadful. And of course, don't forget to follow the podcast on Twitter at Scarred Podcast. Please don't forget to review, rate, and subscribe. And if you want to support us some more, we do have a Patreon with a lot of content coming your way. Yay! Thank you to Eric Power for our artwork. Thank you to Sean Keller for our music. Thank you everyone for listening. Please stay safe out there. Most importantly, stay creepy. And until next time. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.